How's it going, Burnaby Sound? The by-election, everyone is watching how the campaigns in Burnaby South are stepping up gear. So are you guys excited? And the big surprise for the kids behind the viral video campaign to find their hockey coach a kidney. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, the person killed in yesterday's tragic accident involving a freight train and a dump truck has been identified as a man from Vancouver. Police still trying to work out how this happened. This crash coming nearly two weeks after another deadly crash involving a train in Langley. Tanya Beja has the latest from Delta. The collision happened here at what's known as the Churchill Railway crossing on 72nd Street in Delta. A dump truck was hit by a CN train around 3.20 Saturday afternoon. Now police are calling the crash scene complex because the truck was pushed a significant way down the track. It appears the truck belonged to Smithwright Disposal, but the company is not commenting today. And police say the driver was a Vancouver man in his 40s. He died at the scene. Investigators spent about 12 hours at this crash site trying to figure out what happened. Here's more now from Delta Police. We don't have a clear indication of what led to the crash. Uh, according to CN and witnesses uh, who uh, were at the scene, uh, the uh, train crossing um, signals were functioning. So uh, it's not clear to us uh, what precipitated uh, this collision. The collision follows another in Langley just last month. Christian and Ermgard Wantke died when their car was also hit by a CN train. Here in Delta, crews spent the day doing repairs. The road has since reopened. Tanya Beja, Global News. Surrey RCMP are looking to speak with any witnesses and any dash cam footage of a two-car crash that happened in Surrey last night. It was an accident that caused one of the vehicles to hit two pedestrians. Surrey RCMP say an Acura and a Ford crashed into each other in the intersection of 148th Street and Fraser Highway at about 6.30. One of the vehicles spun out onto the sidewalk and hit a 50-year-old man and a 50-year-old woman who were waiting to cross the street. Both drivers did remain on scene and are cooperating with police. The cause of this crash is still being investigated, but alcohol and drugs are not believed to be factors. These were just two individuals that were on the sidewalk um, waiting to cross, you know, not doing anything that would have put themselves um, in any um, particular risk. And it is an unfortunate incident where uh, there was a collision and that collision is what was the catalyst for those individuals being struck on the sidewalk. So, um, you know, fortunately, although they are serious injuries, they are not considered life threatening at this time. Firefighters and first responders on Vancouver Island have been celebrating the life of one of their own today. Hundreds joined the Honor Guard procession through the Port Albert through Port Alberni for fallen firefighter Carla Kulchiski. A 46-year-old died earlier this month after a 16-month battle with an aggressive form of brain cancer attributed to firefighting. She had served with the Sprote Lake Volunteer Fire Department for 16 years. She received a full line of duty service and is being remembered as a team player who was also heavily involved in the department's social activities and the community. 
Carla was a teammate. She was the champion of the underdog. She was the person who you could call on for anything, anytime, anywhere, anyhow. Um, she wanted to make a difference in her life and she certainly did. She's an amazing person. She did so much for her community and uh, she always was very welcoming to me when I first started. It's always tough sometimes starting on a new team, but uh, right away I ended up taking over her position as goaltender on the hockey bags team and she became a, a defense woman and we just had so much fun on the ice and off the ice together. She's a dedicated, hardworking, loyal person who she just got it done and she was there for everybody all the time and she's going to be deeply, deeply missed. In other news tonight, well, it's less than a week after the by-election was called for Burnaby South. The campaign now to elect a new MP ramped up today. The candidates for the front-running parties, including the leader of one of the country's main political parties, officially opened up their campaign offices. But would voters in the riding even recognise who to cast a ballot for? Our Paul Johnson went to find out. How's it going, Burnaby South? Here's a man with a daunting to-do list. Win the riding of Burnaby South in next month's by-election, re-energize the NDP nationally, and, as federal leader, look prime ministerial. Housing is, without a doubt, the number one concern. <laughs> An awkward launch to a critical campaign. Up close with reporters later, though, Jagmeet Singh had hit his stride handling questions about China and the status of arrested Canadians there. This is deeply concerning. We need to know what the allegations are. A few blocks away, a first glimpse at the campaign most capable of denying the NDP leader a seat in Parliament. Liberal Karen Wang, who confirmed she won't be breaking with her party on the most polarizing issue in Burnaby, the Trans Mountain Pipeline. I'm with the party. Okay, yeah, so, yes, yeah. I'm with the party's policy. And don't forget, there's a third long-shot conservative candidate, Jay Shin. I know what it takes to bring in investment, create better-paying jobs, and uh, uh, that's what I'm all about. Do you recognize this man? Yes, from the news. Who is he? I can't remember his name, though. Uh... But overhanging what would normally be just another by-election is the potential that Burnaby South is a referendum on the profile of Jagmeet Singh. Do you recognize that guy there? No way. No idea. Only three out of ten people we talked to Sunday were able to recognize him from a picture. Yeah, just made Singh. While on paper, the NDP's young leader looks like a good fit for one of Canada's most diverse ridings. Will it matter if they don't know much about it? Paul Johnson, Global News. A former Kelowna Rocket player and team captain is suing the WHL, the CHL and Hockey Canada. That's what we want our image to be this year is a hard-working intense team and that's how we're going to win games we're not going to win it by James McEwen played in the WHL for more than a decade now in the potential class action suit he is named as the proposed representative plaintiff the suit accuses the hockey organizations of not going far enough 
to prevent head trauma. It states that McEwen was involved in more than 70 fights during his time in the WHL and now suffers from symptoms of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, such as suicidal thoughts, anxiety and severe mood swings. None of the allegations have been proven in court. Now the hockey organisations have yet to file a response to this civil claim. Police agencies are often tight-lipped about the suspects in ongoing investigations. But a BC judge says the Victoria Police Department gave out too much information in a recent case that led to a massage practitioner's acquittal on sexual assault charges. Kristen Robinson has the story. What happens on patrol is sometimes shared with the community on Facebook. But a recent provincial court judgment finds a Victoria Police Department post provided too much information. This notice was atypical in that it identified quite a few personal details with respect to the person that they were investigating. In October 2017, Vic PD told their Facebook followers they were looking to speak with more alleged victims of massage practitioner John Heinzelman, who'd been charged with sex assault three months earlier. Another alleged victim did come forward, and Heinzelman went to trial on two sex assault charges in November 2018. He denied he touched either complainant sexually. His wife testified she heard nothing during one alleged victim's massage, and she was sitting directly above the studio. Both complainants gave similar accounts, and the judge found each of the witnesses eminently credible. But he was concerned by the public notice, stating it would have been better if police had left out the suspect's name and address. Quote, it would have been possible for them to test the veracity of those complaints by asking the complainants for the name of the assailant and the address where the assault took place. At the end of the day, the judge was unable to determine which version of events, either the complainant's version or the accused person's version, was more credible. The judge was forced to acquit Heinzelman in a case criminal lawyer Sarah Lehman says law enforcement can learn from. This was really a caution to police departments across the country in ensuring that they're not releasing prejudicial content. The judge also warning that publishing a notice containing the name of the suspect may prejudice the right to a fair trial and may unfairly damage the suspect's reputation and livelihood if the allegation is unfounded. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A reminder now that you never know who is behind you when you're on the road. Victoria's police chief tweeting a photograph of the $196 ticket issued to a motorcycle rider that he caught up with last night. Del Manic posting a warning to please slow down after a motorcycle in front of him was speeding and cutting in and out of traffic on Blanchard Street. The rider eventually lost control on a curve and wiped out on a grass median in Saanich. He wasn't hurt but his ride was towed. Welcome back. Well, someone trying to cook at a homeless camp in Kelowna sparked a grass fire this morning. Firefighters were called to an area of heavy brush between Dilworth Drive and Enterprise Way at about 8.30 this morning. That's where they found a fire that measured about 30 by 30 feet that was starting to spread into the trees. Crews were able to put this out quickly. Luckily, no one was hurt and no structures were damaged. A Montreal woman has spent her entire life searching for her long-lost father. As Jules Knox now reports, it was one of those popular DNA kits that finally led her to an emotional reunion in Kelowna this weekend. Right now, I'm right outside the hospital. I'm going to meet my father for the first time in 44 years. 
Inside the hospital, George Tyrone is waiting for the daughter he hasn't seen since she was a baby. I don't want to be disappointed in me. It's my greatest fear. I don't even think he knows what I look like. Just so many questions and... A reunion they both wanted, but as the years, then decades, passed, never fully believed would happen. Sandra Tyrone's parents separated in Montreal when she was just a toddler, falling out of touch as George moved around the country. As an adult, Sandra hired a private investigator to find her dad without luck. I thought my father didn't want to see me. I didn't know. While tracing her family tree, Sandra took a DNA test with MyHeritage, and that gave her enough clues to track down her aunt, who told her her father was also looking for her, and he was alive but not well in Kelowna's hospital. I know. I know. George holding on to meet not only his daughter, but his grandchildren for the first time. He looks like you. It's like a dream come true for me, really, honestly. I think to know where you're from, to know where you come from, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no price for that. Sandra bringing a photo album. This is me, when I was younger. Snapshots in time think? of missed memories. Huh? I lost 40 years with my father. We can't get back the time that we lost, but we still have the future. And there's blank pages for new memories together. Jules Knox, Global News. Amazing story. Now some solidarity from Canadian air traffic controllers with their American counterparts who were caught in the middle of the U.S. government's partial shutdown. Staff at all seven of Canada's control centres, including at YVR and Towers, took up a collection to buy pizza for U.S. controllers working along the border. This all started on Thursday when workers at Edmonton's control centre decided to buy pies for controllers in Anchorage, Alaska. The idea after that just snowballed so far about 300 pizzas have been delivered it's a nice thing to do how you nice. should do that around here more yeah send them to each other <laughs> or have people send us uh, have the, the air traffic what controllers would you say send to us oh, okay i thought you meant the viewers then like send us pizza well i wouldn't right. be surprised if pizzas <laughs> showed up <laughs> i know exactly extra cheese please <laughs> <laughs> actually i always add the extra cheese it's you good. do all right yeah. let's uh, cash and talk about the weather for a second <laughs> let's go there right it's away. been a really nice day again today it's been a stellar weekend really uh especially for coastal sections in fact we did managed to break some records yet again, just like yesterday was a record breaker, today yet again, mostly in and around Vancouver Island. But you know what? I saved the best for last because we have a very impressive record that did shatter today. I'll tell you about that coming up in your forecast. And of course, moving forward, how long will this, will this ridge hold for us and that sunshine last? That answer coming up.
Okay, looking forward to that because it has been really nice out there. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. All right, what about you? Well, Go lots going on. Yeah, Canucks are on the ice uh, right now. Good goaltending battle going on uh, between Luongo and Markstrom, who, of course, were traded for each other about five years ago. So we'll have uh, highlights of that. They're in the third period now, a very tight hockey game. And NFL playoffs, uh, a good weekend for the home teams as all four home teams are moving on. So highlights of that, too. Welcome back. Well, engineering experts are calling on the Federal Transportation Safety Board to investigate Friday's deadly bus crash in Ottawa. That's in order to prevent similar accidents from happening again. The TSB only investigates marine, pipeline, rail and air incidents. Three people were killed and 23 people were injured when a double-decker bus hopped a curb and hit a transit shelter. The Ottawa Hospital says patients who were last listed in critical condition are now serious. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan tweeted that he was also aware that some members of his department were hurt in that crash. He's been monitoring the situation. Authorities have said the investigation into the crash is going to take a very long time. A tanker truck carrying jet fuel crashed early this morning on a major highway in southern Ontario, spilling its load. The truck was carrying 50,000 litres of highly flammable fuel just before 2 a.m. when it collided with another vehicle and rolled over. The fuel spilled on both the eastbound and westbound lanes of the highway 401, as well as into a ditch near Cambridge, Ontario. The truck driver was taken to hospital with minor injuries. The route was closed all day as crews raced to clean up the mess because of the risk of fire. Now there is growing outrage tonight about a viral video that appears to show a Lethbridge police officer repeatedly running over a deer with his police cruiser. The officer claiming he was trying to put the animal out of its misery. Today residents in southern Alberta gathered to protest outside the Lethbridge police station and a warning for you that the following story does include details that you might find disturbing. Protesters are demanding that the Lethbridge police officer involved in this incident is not only shamed, but fired from the force. I, I, I couldn't watch it all. I watched a little bit, bit and, and uh, I just turned it off. How did it make you feel? It made me sick. I'm sure there is appropriate punishments that you know, can be put in place besides dismissing him, but at the same time, I wouldn't be sad if he was dismissed. According to Lethbridge Police Chief Rob Davis, the officer involved is a man with the rank of constable and is an experienced member of the force. The Alberta Serious Incident Response Team is investigating the case but has not released any information about the officer, not even his name or any details about their investigation. The ACER will look at that, looking at all the factors of was public safety considered. Our policy speaks to uh, euthanization of animals, typically through a firearm. But again, when you bring in a firearm, now you really ramp up the need for public safety. This incident happened and was recorded the night of January 5th by a Lethbridge resident who said the sound of the deer being run over was so difficult to hear that her and her father needed to turn up the radio volume in their vehicle. An act protesters don't agree with. This was not euthanasia. Euthanasia is quick and supposed to be painless, but this was a long, drawn-out death. Since Global News shared this video online, the public response has been overwhelming for authorities and has left many concerned citizens with more questions than answers and, of course, an urgent demand for action. A Change.org petition to fire the constable involved in this incident has received support worldwide. There have been several goals already surpassed. However, there is a new goal of 75,000 signatures. To date, there have been over 65,000 signatures, with that number going up by the minute.
Krisha Khan, Global News. Speculation is rife in Ottawa this weekend about who is in and out of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's cabinet. The Prime Minister is set to announce tomorrow how he's shuffled the cabinet. It comes after Scott Bryson's unexpected resignation last week from his post as Treasury Board President. Bryson's departure also leaving Trudeau without representation from Nova Scotia, a hole that is also expected to be filled by Monday's shuffle. U.S. President Donald Trump has been asked point blank whether he ever worked for Russia. This is after a New York Times report that said law enforcement officials are investigating that possibility. Kelly O'Donnell now reports on the president's response over the growing controversy. Snowed in at the White House today. A bitter chill swept across Washington with disturbing allegations reported by the New York Times and Washington Post that prompted this startling question from a friendly Fox News interviewer. Are you now or have you ever worked for Russia, Mr. President? President Trump did not answer directly, but appeared indignant. I think it's the most insulting thing I've ever been asked. I think it's the most insulting article I've ever had written. At issue, the Times reports that in 2017, the FBI investigated the president directly, suspicious that he might be aiding Russia. And the Post wrote that former officials described the president as curiously secretive about his conversations with Vladimir Putin, even keeping interpreters' notes from senior advisors. Today, the Secretary of State rejected those claims. The notion that President Trump is a threat to American national security is absolutely ludicrous. But Democrats demand more answers. House Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff tweeted, Last year we sought to obtain the interpreter's notes or testimony. The Republicans on our committee voted us down. Will they join us now? Why is he so chummy with Vladimir Putin, this man who is a a former KGB agent, never been a friend of the United States? But Trump ally Senator Lindsey Graham said he is astonished by the FBI's actions. This really did happen. Congress needs to know about it. And, I, and what I want to do is make sure, how could the FBI do that? What kind of checks and balances are there? On Tuesday, the British government faces a key test of its plan to exit the European Union. That is when Parliament votes on the Brexit deal that is backed by British Prime Minister Theresa May. As Sarah Harmon now reports, the vote is also seen as a test of the Prime Minister herself. Just 75 days before the UK is set to leave the European Union, tensions are running high. And not just on the streets. British lawmakers still don't agree on how to leave. I want us to leave the European Union on the 29th of March with a good deal that's on the table. Tuesday, a vote on that deal. Few expect it to pass. People here have had enough of Theresa May. They're calling for a general election now. If her Brexit deal doesn't pass, here's what could happen. One option, delaying Brexit beyond March 29th. Another, leaving without a deal, which could have disastrous consequences. There could even be a second referendum. But if these protesters have their way... Time for it to go, I'm afraid. Absolutely time for it to go. Hey, hey, Theresa May! It may not be up to May much longer. Sarah Harmon, NBC News, London. 
Oh, it's almost like we were having a heat wave here on the south coast. If you compare it to the weather they've got going on in Toronto right now. The city currently under an extreme cold weather alert. Temperatures there dropping to below minus 15 degrees Celsius last night. With the wind chill, though, it felt more like minus 20. The warning means the city can help make sure the most vulnerable are protected, including being able to open up more shelter beds. Temperatures are expected to become milder by Monday. A much more playful winter story at Cincinnati Zoo this weekend. Animals there enjoying their snow day. Fiona the hippo taking a huge bite out of her snowman, almost knocking it over. The polar bears there also enjoying playing around in this weather. The tigers too, leaping through the powder, having some fun. And we've got to mention the penguins who took a nice stroll around the zoo in this weather too. Uh, plus the otters, that's Sugar and Wesley, playing around in, uh, in a bit of snow there as well, as you would. And we like seeing animals have fun in that kind of weather, Kasia. Just beautiful. Hard to follow an act like that. Exactly. But it was really nice. We want to know how long this sunshine's going to last. It's going to be, well, it has been incredible and it's going to last for some time for coastal sections. I'll show you that coming up. But you'll notice, oh, I don't know if you can see it with this shot, but a little earlier we could tell that the fog is redeveloping over the water. We're sitting at four degrees overnight low of zero for YVR. Tomorrow temperatures rebounding back to eight plenty of sunshine but today was a photographer's dream in delta michael weber caught this shot look at that just before sunrise looking out to boundary bay then later this afternoon john buswood he took out his outrigger canoe he did 23 degrees out there he said it was so hot out there i bet beautiful photo but further inland it was about the fog gorgeous shot sent in by eric and this one tells the story a little bit better looks like a blanket of cotton Sopping in Penticton over there. Isn't that something? So that was certainly in the forecast. But I think this is catching people's attention a little bit more. The fact that the flowers are coming out mid-January. Yeah. Uh, this at English Bay along the seawall. And no wonder we've been seeing above seasonal conditions. And I wanted to take your attention here to Squamish. Yeah, we were 9.8 at the Squamish Airport. That shattered a record that was set 33 years ago, back in 86. Isn't that something? But it wasn't the hotspot in the country, no, yesterday, as well as today, the hotspot was in southern Alberta. Cardson, 16.2 degrees today. And your national forecast, we are expecting temperatures to level out a little bit in Calgary, 6 degrees. And again, a very calm day across the country, still below seasonal for the eastern half and above seasonal for us. So we're the lucky ones if you do prefer your mild temperatures. Now we have been watching a system that's been impacting Haida Gwaii in the north coast for the majority of the day, but the system will continue to migrate further north and weaken through the evening and the overnight hours. And then we're opening up to a very nice long range forecast, even for those coastal sections. So you finally get your break. The BC piece is looking at a sun cloud mix for tomorrow. Temperatures are going to be at the freezing mark for Fort St. John. Minus 12 is your high in Whitehorse, though much cooler with the wind chill. In the morning, we're still expecting some light flurries. There is that possibility. The north coast, uh, periods of rain through the overnight. We're looking at mostly cloudy skies on your Monday. Six degrees is your daytime high. Inland, so places like Prince George, minus one is your daytime high. Mostly cloudy skies. Fog patches will be developing this evening, but your long range looking great and calm as well with sunshine in the mix. Sun and clouds for you. However, uh, for the Columbia and the Kootenai, it will be clearing into the afternoon, but the day kicks off 
with a lot of cloud cover, but you could be clearing out. I think in the Thompson and the Okanagan, there is a chance that we're going to have a very similar day to what we saw today. Valley cloud. So if you climb a mountain, you'll see the sunshine. Uh, but there is a chance of catching a sunny break in there as well. Whistler looks great with a sun cloud mix and three degrees. Nine for you in Victoria. Sun and clouds up and down the island. Look at the long-range forecast. It's not until Thursday that we're expecting the next system to move in. Sonia? That's it. We can wait until Thursday. Let's wait <laughs> Thanks until Thursday. Thank you, Kasia. Uh, let's talk about this now. History was made in the NFL today. Down judge Sarah Thomas becoming the first woman to officiate an NFL playoff game as the New England Patriots hosted the LA Chargers at Gillette Stadium in Massachusetts. Now, she's no stranger to breaking through the glass ceiling. Thomas also holds the distinction of becoming the first full-time female NFL referee back in 2015. She's also the first to officiate a college bowl game. All right, welcome back. Uh, I've got a bit of news for you before you start on your sport. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. Sports Illustrated has released its list of the top 50 fittest athletes in the world. Mm -hmm. And this year, Calgary's uh, Katie Humphreys has crack the list. The three-time Olympian and back-to-back gold medalist is ranked number 17 among female athletes. Humphreys, of course, is taking a break from uh, the bobsleigh competition, but says she still spends nearly 20 hours a week at the gym. Uh, she also adds it's uh, important these lists do include athletes who compete outside of uh, mainstream sports. To be able to showcase the sport that I do, that I love, to show the rest of the world that you know, I, I can San lift Diego, a lot of weight, huh? That's I can a good sprint place. really fast, I can push things, but I'm also very fit. I can keep up with a lot of other athletes across the board. I've- there you go. Other big names on the list include Serena Williams, of course, at number 10, and American gymnast Simone Biles, who hit uh, the number one spot. There's my bit of first sports Pretty news good for shape. you. There you go. All incredible athletes, every single one of them. Yeah, well, you're an incredible sports anchor, so off you go. That's it, I'm done. <laughs> go. Well, well, thanks for the compliment. I wasn't fishing for anything. All right, thank you. Uh, well, no Elias Pettersson for the Canucks tonight. Hopefully he will be good to go Wednesday versus Edmonton. He has skated a few days in a row now, so he should be back soon. The Canucks sent Adam Gaudet back to Utica with Josh Lebo returning from injury tonight. Florida Panthers visiting, and some speculating it could be Roberto Luongo's last game in Vancouver with his 40th birthday charging hard and injuries starting to slow the future Hall of Famer down this season. Luongo has been gone for nearly five years now already. Time sure flies. Jacob Markstrom, the man they traded for, at the other end in tonight's game. Early first, Panther giveaway. And Brock Besser right on the doorstep. But Luongo shows he's still got it. Look at that reflex glove save to keep it scoreless. Now Antoine Roussel roughing up. Mike Matheson, the defenseman who body slammed Pedersen earlier this season, gave him that concussion. They didn't do anything about it in Florida, but at least they're getting in his grill now. They did challenge him a couple of times. Matheson didn't want anything to do with it. The fans were booing him all night as well. Second period, we finally get a goal. An unlikely source. Louis Erickson steals, then fakes Luongo. First point in nine games, so Louis beats Louis. one nothing Vancouver. Late second, Josh Lebo rips it off the post. Marcus Granlin then with the shot, but another fantastic save by Luongo. 26 saves through two, one nothing after two. Third period, time for Markstrom to show off. Look at that save off Nick Bugstad, who had a wide open net, but there's Markstrom, very similar save to what Luongo did to Besser. But Florida does score just as a power play is finished. 
And it's a goal by Frank Vetrano. Going backhand roof there, but the Canucks answer right back. They win a draw. Tristetcher's shot. And look at Ben Hutton. They want the D-men to join the play, even in the offensive zone. 2-1 Vancouver, about five minutes to go in that one. Earlier this season, the New Orleans Saints throttled the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles 48-7. That was eight weeks ago, but since then, the Eagles have gone 6-1, and and they look a lot more like Super Bowl champs, especially with Nick Foles back at quarterback. But would they have enough to beat Drew Brees and the Saints, the NFC's top seed and a team that almost never loses a big game at the Superdome. Brees turns 40 on Tuesday, coming off his best season ever, 32 TD passes, just five INTs, but first play of the game, a rare pick, a great catch by Craven LeBlanc, who goes up and steals it from Ted Ginn Jr., a fantastic start for Philly, and then Nick Foles follows that up with this perfect throw. 37 yards to Jordan Matthews and the Eagles silence the very loud Superdome taking a 7-0 lead. Next possession, Foles to Alshon Jeffrey converting a third down with a big play. Foles and the Eagles offense just humming right along in this one. And Oles, or Foles rather, will finish the drive with this quarterback keeper. Lunges over the goal line for the touchdown. What a start for the Eagles up 14-0 in the first. The Saints need a spark, and they get it on this fake punt at their own 30. Backup quarterback Taysom Hill up the gut. That uh, took a lot of guts to call that one, and it worked out. Sean Payton wasn't done gambling. Fourth and goal goes for it, and it works out again. Breeze to Keith Kirkwood, and the uh, Saints right back in it. Trail just 14-10 at the half. Third quarter, Saints with a monster drive that nearly took up the entire quarter. Breeze hits Michael Thomas on third and 16. What a clutch play that was, first down Saints. And then same combination, Breeze to Thomas in the end zone. The Saints go 93 yards, chewing up over 11 minutes. They have their first lead, 17-14. Fourth quarter, Saints starting to wear down the Eagles. Mark Ingram powers his way for 36 yards, down to the Philly 27, led to a field goal. Saints by six. Two minutes to go, though. Eagles driving for the go-ahead touchdown. Foles to Alshon Jeffries, but through his hands and picked off by the Saints. Heartbreak for the Eagles, who've made a lot of clutch plays the past two years, but it ends today in New Orleans. Saints win, and New Orleans will host the Rams in the NFC Championship next Sunday. In the AFC, Patriots and Chargers, Tom Brady playing in his record 38th playoff game. Opening drive, Pats go 38 yards in seven and a half minutes, capped off by a Sony Michelle one-yard run, 7-0 New England. But Phillip Rivers and the Chargers do respond San Diego, or San Diego, L.A. had not lost when they got out of an airplane this year. The only road game technically in L.A. against the Rams they lost. They've beaten everyone else. Keenan Allen with the touchdown ties it at seven, but back come the Patriots. Sony Michelle one more time, 14 yards out, dives for the cone. He's in, 14-7, New England. Second quarter, more from the Patriot offense, which could not be stopped in the first half. Brady to Philip Dorsett for the 15-yard touchdown. That made it 21-7. The Pats chewed the Chargers up along the ground. Sony Michelle with a 40-yard gallop. He had over 100 yards in the first half alone, 129 for the game. Ground yards in favor of the Patriots in this one, 155-19. And it leads to this Rex Burkhead 6-yard TD. 28-7 Patriots. They are running away with it, literally. Chargers did not do themselves any favors as they will uh, 
make a big mistake on special teams. That punt gets away, and the Patriots recover deep in L.A. territory. And before the half is out, Michelle will go in for his third touchdown of the game. 35-7 at the half, 41-28 the final. Chargers got some garbage-time touchdowns, but it was never in doubt. Pats will play the Chiefs in the AFC title game next Sunday. It'll be the 8th straight and 13th AFC title game overall for Brady in just his 18th season. That is incredible. And Vancouver Giants just finished at the LEC Edge Victoria 3-2, so they now lead the Royals by 9 points atop the BC division. Welcome back. The Australian Open, the first tennis major of the year, is just getting underway in Melbourne. Monday there already. Four Canadians in the singles field, two men, two women, all four playing pretty well right now. Denis Shapovalov and Milos Raonic are both seated on the men's side. Eugenie Bouchard and upstart Bianca Andreescu are on the ladies' side. All four Canadians, though, don't begin play until tomorrow. Early on day one, Maria Sharapova seated 30 this year. Won this tournament back in 2008 when she was just 20, taking on Harriet Dart of Great Britain. And Sharapova gave the kid a tennis lesson, won the opening set 6-love, and she took the second set 6-love as well. The old double bagel for Sharapova as she advances easily to the second round. Again, no Canadians playing today. They get going tomorrow. NBA, Raptors and Wizards. What a job Nick Nurse has done in his first year as Raptors head coach. Best record in the NBA. Toronto running away with it. Kyle Lowry hits the jumper. Raptors with a comfortable 14-point lead headed to the fourth. But Washington stormed back and it was Bradley Beal who hits the game-tying three with just 21 seconds to go. And that would send this game to overtime. In OT, the Raps... Go to their main man, Kawhi Leonard. Just coolly steps back and hits the three. Leonard led Toronto with 41, but the Wizards won't go away. It's Bradley Beal again. Eight seconds to go this time. Two of his game-high 43, and we require a second overtime. This time it's the Raptors who hit the big shot late. Leonard's drive won't go, but kicks it out to Serge Ibaka, who drills the three-pointer, and the Raptors put the Wizards away. 140-138 in double overtime. Toronto's NBA best record now 33-12. Final round of the Sony Open from Honolulu. Ontario's Corey Connors making a run at the top of the leaderboard. This is for Eagle at 9. On track, just under hit it. Still tapped in for birdie. Tied for fifth. Then at uh, the 12th, Connor stuffs a wedge to about five feet. He would make this for birdie, and he has almost finished his round. Tied for fifth at 16 under. Matt Kuchar has a two-shot lead with just a couple holes to go. And we'll finish with English Premiership. Ole Gunnar Sochar in Manchester United taking on Tottenham at Wembley. United yet to lose under their caretaker manager. And this helps. 44th minute, Marcus Rashford in full stride will score past Hugo Lloris. The reason United won, though, their goalkeeper, David De Gea. Deli Ali unloading one of 11 shots for Tottenham, but De Gea stopped all of them. United win their sixth straight under Sochar. They're now tied with Arsenal for fifth and just six points back of fourth place. Chelsea, United's got thoughts of perhaps getting into the Champions League top four again. 
This is your snow report for this Sunday, January the 13th, where we didn't pick up much snow across the province, but a great snow base nonetheless. Whistler Blackcomb has 259 centimeters of snow on the ground. Revelstoke picked up one centimeter of fresh powder, bringing it up to 211 centimeters of snow. Manning Park has 150, whereas Big White has 173 centimeters of snow on the ground. Kicking Horse has a snow base of 166, 220 a powder king. All right, last week, you might remember, we told you about their peewee hockey team's heartwarming video campaign to save their coach who's battling a rare kidney disease. Well, today, those kids getting the surprise of their young lives in honor of those efforts. Here's Grace Key. The Vancouver Spirit Peewee hockey team is in for a big surprise. After spending the day in Langley for hometown hockey, they're boarding a bus to head back home or so they think. What you've done for me is really amazing, uh, but I want you guys to know that it's bigger than us and bigger than me. Steven really needs a kidney. If he does not find one, he might not be able to coach. The team made this heartfelt video to help their ailing coach find a kidney transplant donor. Eyes first, body follow, stay neutral, okay? Steven Gillis has Crohn's disease, and this past summer found out he also has a rare kidney disease. Though debilitating, he refuses to give up what he loves coaching. Time to go to work. Let's go. You've inspired people across Canada, across the country, the whole country, to come forward and call about organ donation and kidney donation. So as a thank you for that, I want to take you all for ice cream right now. Yeah! Okay. The players think they're about to get an ice cream treat. The ice cream shop is closed for renovation according to my phone. What? It's closed for renovations. I have to find another venue. But today's play involves a fake shot and then a brilliant assist. How about we take all you guys to the Canucks game? Yeah! So are you guys excited? Yeah! Let's go to Rogers! It's really great. <laughs> it's like 10 out of awesomeness. I mean, I never expected this to come from it. It's just so amazing. I'm extremely excited, but I still want to eat ice cream. You're not only helping to maybe save my life, but many others across the country, and that's really, really special. It's all compliments of the Canucks, who will also be playing the video on the Jumbotron during intermission. Please help us help our coach. Go, go, go! Grace Key, Global News. Such wow, a great nice. moment for yeah. those guys. Yeah, Did that's so what, well. kind of, you know, that's what teamwork's all about, yes. right? Helping out your buddy. I got your back. That's yeah, absolutely. So great I love how they were like, ice cream, it's closed. <laughs> oh, but we got so dramatic. Right, you can buy you $10 ice creams at Rogers Arena. <laughs> emotional roller coaster. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for watching. We'll all be back next week. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Good night. Bye.